You are listening to Behind the Headlines, a weekly news talk show hosted by the Express News Group, publishers of the Southampton Press, the East Hampton Press, the Sag Harbor Express, 27East.com, and Express Magazine, and featuring distinguished, award-winning journalists from the East End to discuss what's news on the North and South Forks of Long Island. I'm Bill Sutton. I'm the managing editor of the Express News Group. Unfortunately, Joe Shaw couldn't be with us uh, today, but happily, we are joined by my co-host, Annette Hinkle, the arts and living editor of the Express News Group. Good morning, Annette. Hey, I'm Bill. How are you? And our distinguished panelist this week, Denise Civiletti, editor of Riverhead Local. Good morning, Denise. Good morning. Uh, Joe Workmeister, staff writer for Newsday. Good morning, Joe. Good morning. And Gianna Volpe, host of the Heart of the East End Morning Show right here on WLIWFM, and who is celebrating her birthday today. We're recording on Friday. Happy birthday, Gianna. Thanks much. Happy to be here. And we are all uh, recovering a little bit from, or, or many of us are recovering a little bit from attending the Press Club of Long Island Media Awards Banquet, which was held at Fox Hollow in Woodbury on Thursday night. And Denise is a board member of the Press Club of Long Island. And um, um, we, uh, Press News Group, saw some nice awards. And Gianna, WLIW, and Heart of the the uh, East End uh, really, really scored well and got some nice awards. Congratulations on that. And Denise, I, we got an award for a, a story that we did about the um, your favorite subject, Bill, the firearms dealer. Oh, um, nice! Yeah, and um, and you know, and then all of the rest of the awards that night uh, went to Newsday. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, you How know did what? that happen? <laughs> Newsday, Newsday has a has a has a big crew. Um, yeah. They enter a ton too, don't they? They, they, they always do. do. I'm sure they do. Yeah. And they I mean, I've been around long enough to win anything. So. That's right. <laughs> That's why the event is like two miles from their uh, headquarters, right? <laughs> but yeah, you know, not for nothing. I was a little reluctant to go because sometimes those things can can drag on a little bit. But I think Press Club of Long Island did a really nice job with it, and it's always heartening to see, um, you know, so many dedicated professionals um, in in one place. I think you had over, you know, you had close to two hundred and fifty uh, attendees, yeah. Denise, and yeah. you know, there were some, um, you know, people who who. Um, were inducted into the into the Hall yeah. of Fame and really inspiring stories that people who've dedicated their their lives and their careers to uh, to journalism and to informing the public and and doing what we do and it just um, brings it all home that you know that it really does we're doing why we're doing it and, and congratulations to you Denise that was a it was a it was a really nice event. Well, oh, I'm, I'm sorry I missed I it. Take credit for it, but uh, yeah, it was a nice event and. Yeah. Uh, but the whole board works really hard to to make it happen. A lot of work goes into it. So, uh, you know, shout out to the rest of the board. I'm a newcomer on the board. So um, my it was my first uh, time behind the scenes, so to speak, getting there early and leaving late. And I'm proud to say I stayed awake the entire time. Um, nice. <laughs> but uh, we, we gave out 311 awards last night. And wow. wow. Yeah. So it was uh, it was it was hectic. But. It was great. The the MCs did a great job, um, you know, pushing it through. And uh, I, all of us, I'm sure, today are kind of uh, in a daze. <laughs> I yeah. know I am a little bit, but it was fun. It was fun. So it was really congratulations, nice. everybody. And and we got to meet uh, Gianna's mother, which which was oh, yeah. an yeah. added treat. You know, we don't have we don't have forever in this life, and I just you know that is the reason why I decided to go. I get kind of nervous at these things. And, you know, I'm not great at small talk when I'm not like conducting an interview or working. That's why I was a a bartender, because I had a job to do and why I've been a journalist, because when you have a job to do, it's a lot easier to be social. And I said, well, you know, my mom wants to come out and visit for my birthday. I said, Ma, you want to go? You want to go to a gala? And she had the best time okay. and it was, just, it was so, it was so special to share all of you with her and share her with everyone. It was really, well, and, uh, it was really beautiful. 
and and by the end of the night the the pride on, on her face and she was wiping back uh tears a little bit and that as, was as uh, she was as she was really carefully nice as she carefully put yes. all of the trophies into the boxes to make sure <laughs> that none of the none of the trophies i sent the picture to diane michelli the gm at wliwfm of my mom putting all the, <laughs> the trophies into the boxes I was like, well, you're hired. Yeah, there you go. Oh, it was great to meet her. Award Wrangler, nice. Hey, Annette, we should, if you want to go next year, we can carpool. Okay, yeah, Yeah. we'll do that. I will. Yeah, really fun time. Yeah, now I'm regretting that I begged off and couldn't, you know, it's a long way from East Hampton. Yeah, it was a long ride ride to Woodbury, but, um, but very, very much worth it. Yeah. So, um, hard, hard transition. Let's talk about pot. Um, again, we were um, smelling it as we left Woodbury. As we left, the wedding yes. going on, and well, some I'm of sure, the people were saying I'm, we went to the wrong party. Yeah, I'm sure it wasn't the journalists um, that you were smelling. I'm sure it was the, the wedding in the other room. Um, Joe, you you guys over at Newsday did uh, did a story recently on um, on the new cannabis regulations and some. Um, difficulty that, that people are having opening up opening up uh, dispensaries um, under the under the new rules, right? Yeah, you know, it seemed like um, for a, a lot of people, there was kind of rushed to try to get these licenses that were becoming available, and um, y- you know, uh, you know, almost like kind of uh, getting a lot of ticket to get one of these. And um, and once that has, has kind of passed, now the next stage of actually finding a spot to open a dispensary uh, has proven to be pretty challenging all across um, all across you know the island. And uh, as we know, there was only four towns that even opted um, opted in to allow the dispensaries. Uh, Riverhead being one, Southampton being the other on the east end, uh, also with Brookhaven and Babylon. So anywhere else is already off the tables. And as the towns went through and put in these, uh, you know, kind of figure out how they're going to um, zone to allow, you know, where these uh, dispensaries are going to be allowed, um, you know, once that's all set and done, these people who have these licenses are looking to try to figure out where to go. And, and it's right. almost almost becoming impossible to actually find a spot that fits all the um, criteria. And um, uh, so what we found so far, there's been two out of 39 uh, licenses that have been announced have a- actually found a location and one is still wow. requiring town approval for it. Wow. And, uh, so and where, where are those two? Um, I'm not sure off the top of my head exactly where those two were. Um, okay. I'd have to look back um, uh, to find that. But um, yeah, so it's becoming um, you know, a particular challenge and and you know, even you know, in Southampton, for example, um, out by us, you know, there was when they came up with the regulations, there was two zoning districts that they said, you know, you can go into one of these two. And, you know, even just trying to kind of figure out where those zoning districts are can be a challenge. You know, we were trying to, um, you know, look on the maps and, you know, the you know, the zoning districts are can be so small and, and varies by block to block. And so you you look on a map and you try to like figure it out and it's, it's pretty challenging. And, you know, if you ask the town, you know, where specifically, you know, can I go? They kind of just like tell you the zoning districts, but you know, you kind of have to figure it out yourself. Denise has been doing that in Riverhead, right? Well, uh, Riverhead took, you know, as usual, a rather unique approach to all of this. Um, Right. They, they didn't name particular zoning districts where you could or couldn't, Site one of these stores, and I can tell you for sure that the the two that have already been located, you know, found locations. What Riverhead was not one of them, um, but um, Riverhead uh, theoretically allowed it anywhere that you ha- can have retail sales, and um, then they um, set out this fairly complicated um, scheme of how far it's got to be from various types of uses. Um, so like things like, well, the state law says similar things with regard to houses of worship, you know, like you can't have a liquor store or a bar within a certain distance from a church or other house of worship. So they, the state law says something similar to that. And also schools, I think, is in the state law. But then Riverhead took that and 
they extended the distance and they um, added a whole bunch of other things like um, any kind of recreational facility, park, um, like family attraction and all kinds of other stuff. They basically uh, eliminated the potential to site it. Any They did this intentionally anywhere downtown um, and um, they came up with this whole complicated thing and kind of at the last minute, um, which was because they did these like public forums where they had like a working group and they went over this stuff and, you know, what didn't come out of those forums, but was then put in the code um, was a, a thousand foot setback from the lot line of any residential use. That means a house or an apartment building or any residential use. And um, that, when taken with all of the other restrictions, um, meant that 36 parcels in the entire town, which had, you know, there's thousands of parcels, um, were uh, able to, you know, was could be used theoretically to site either a dispensary or one of these on-site consumption lounges. And then when you, they, they did not depict that setback line on a map that they made public at the hearing, the residential thing. So that didn't show these setbacks from residential uses, which kind of like, you know, then took a lot of people by surprise when, hey, guess what? You can't have this almost anywhere. And most of these 36 lots, uh, parcels, whatever, were most of them were on Route 58. But um, are they occupied? Problems, I, mean, I mean, well, that's the thing. So they released, they we asked about it and we got the tax map numbers of these parcels. So then I took the tax map numbers and I went to the Suffolk County GIS map, which is basically a tax map and located them on a printout of it and, and figured out where they all were. And, you know, lo and behold, these 36 parcels included things that were like parcels that are owned and occupied by uh, still called the Long Island Lighting Company for things like, you know, power lines and huh. utility infrastructure and other places that are, you know, already fully developed and unlikely to, um, you know, stop doing what they're doing there, like Costco, to put in a marijuana dispensary. And it, it when it all shook out, I calculated that there were like six, I think, um, lots that were actually could be developed that were available for, you know, development. Doesn't it uh, strange that they would like uh, approve the sales of marijuana in the town, but then make it so well, incredibly difficult? Well, it, well, not really, because, okay. So it Under was the guise of appearing for it, progressive. It, it was a, it wasn't even that. It, it was a three to two vote. Um, oh, right, it was a split vote. It was a split vote, and the supervisor and councilman Ken Rothwell were voted against it, and the other three voted. They voted. They voted not to. They voted. They wanted to opt out, and and the other three did not want to opt out. So the law to opt out, it, you know, this is all kind of backwards in a government sort of way, failed by like two to three. Um, so then Yvette creates this committee and who is she going to put in charge of developing the code for, you know, the marijuana uses? Of course, the person who was like her opposed to this. Uh -huh. So he led the effort to develop this code and you know you got to wonder if it's not you know accidental that is as, restri as restrictive as it is so um and mm -hmm. and the supervisor still not accepting the fact that it's legal in new york but we, but we have like but we have like a firearm store coming to downtown <laughs> that's different wow oh. <laughs> <laughs> Guns are a different story, Joe. And the and the reporting that you you you've you've been doing, you guys have been doing. I mean, do you do you think it's kind of the same feeling in 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 Riverhead that there's that there's some opposition still to cannabis sales that are getting in the way of of finding these shops, or is it just you know government's slow slow you know glacial speed and and getting things done. Yeah, I mean, I think they were, um, you know, trying to be, 
you know, these officials that are trying to put these policies in place are trying to be very, um, you know, trying to, I guess, maybe appease both sides and, and, you know, not um, make it seem like, you know, there's just going to be marijuana shops everywhere. And, um, you know, I don't know how much, you know, they, how carefully they're really necessarily, you know, kind of mapped out, you know, what this, the final product would look like, you know, it sort of sounds good on paper, like, oh, you could have it in, you know, spot A, A, B and C, and then not really uh, necessarily realizing that, well, you know, that only actually leads, you know, two places maybe where it could actually be. Um, yeah. And it seems like what some of the um, licensees are looking for now is maybe some help from the state, um, you know, the Office of Cannabis Management to kind of step in and, um, you know, work with the municipalities to try to you know, loosen some regu regulations. And, um, you know, the state may be trying to ha open up a process where maybe they could, um, you know, kind of, um, you know, look and, and see possibly even override, um, you know, a local um, uh, zoning restriction, which brings up this whole, you know, idea of, uh, you know, local zoning restrictions and are, is a state going to, you know, is that appropriate for the state to come in and, 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 and change what it was decided on the local level and that balance of power. And, you know, so obviously, um, you know, that's a mess. From, it kind uh, of reminds me, you know, I grew up in Ohio and we had yeah. state liquor stores and they were like going into the DMV. Like you couldn't buy liquor unless you went to Ohio state liquor store. So maybe right. they need to do the same thing with a cannabis. It's, it, it literally feels like going to get your license when you buy a bottle. Of, well, of meanwhile, beer. at the, in the Shinnecock territory, I believe they already have a store open, right? Yeah. Stepping stone. Nice most, most of the smoke shops are, are selling cannabis products there, there you go. now. So I think it's important to uh, step back for a second. And when you look at the state law, the legislation that made all of this possible, legalized, you know, so-called adult use marijuana, um, the state lawmakers who, who were proponents of this realized that there was going to be reluctance and even pushback against this on the local level, mm -hmm. because, you know, there aren't too many, like, I would say, like Republican local officials that are going to come out and say I'm in favor of marijuana use. I mean, I don't need uh, any party official. I don't think nobody would admit that, even if they were secretly. But so I think they recognize that. And the way they wrote the law, first of all, that they made the localities have to actually opt out by local law. So that was a, a hurdle. The legislation says things like, you know, these are, you know, these two setbacks and the municipalities can regulate, uh, they're saying time, place, and manner, okay? But it yeah. also says that the restrictions that they put in place, and like this is what Joe is referring to, that the restrictions that are put in place locally can't be so restrictive that it, they effectively eliminate the ability to cite these, these places. And, you know, it's a little, it's not a straight zoning power question because it, it is a, a licensing issue, and it, it is something that is legal statewide, whether localities like it or not. So I think, I don't, you know, it's not yeah, but like that's the, that's the control the local municipalities have is the zoning control. Right. right. But, right. but, you know, so they have this in the in the state law. And I and I think that, you know, I, I think that some of these regulations locally, certainly the one I've been, you know, we've been dealing with in Riverhead kind of really toe that line of. Does it, you know, does it violate that provision in the state statute? And if it does, I don't know what the state's going to do about it. The state also has been really slow in like license, you know, issuing regulations and licensing people and stuff. It's it's been a long process up in Albany. Yeah, I would imagine that one of the next steps we would see, too, is litigation come popping up where, you know, try to, um, you know, take this to court and try to, you know, challenge these regulations um in, in right. court litigation so I, I would imagine that will probably start happening pretty soon sure but yeah, then you've got then you've got these these independent you know folks that want to open a open a shop with you know uh presumably with with not a lot of money yet and they have to go hire attorneys and you know and, right and through that whole process is it is it worth it for them right they, you know that you, you open the door i think to then you know these these bigger these bigger companies um like you know, costco well <laughs> costco gets in the game well there's, there's I, I mean there's big cannabis you know i mean that oh, yeah. you know out-of-state operations that that have a lot of money and and maybe then they're the only ones that can come in and fight this battle and you know and then you've 
you kind of lost they, some I of the intent of some exactly. of the intent of of, of the, the the law in New York was was to give you know independent people an opportunity people who had had you know um you know bad experiences you know with with marijuana laws in the past and all that and you kind of eliminate the free market there a little bit um, maybe they'll start well, like a DoorDash model where it's just like home delivery you know so you don't have to actually what a, the law the law allows that law does allows it? that yes it does one of one of the yeah. shinnecock smoke shops is is doing that i mean it's not a bad can, idea if you're having they, trouble finding they have, it uh, yeah. what was it Tri tribal dash right uh, I, yeah, yeah. There was some, right. some some question uh, about yeah, whether they could, <laughs> they could remain well, tax I mean, tax free and do that right. or not. But the, the really the really big uh, cannabis companies, I mean, I think they have every incentive to fight this. But that doesn't mean they're going to get you know retail licenses because the law restricts it to people on the first, you know at least not restricts but it prioritizes people who have have been uh, you know involved uh, involved with the law. They say I think is how they put it, but right. have had convictions and stuff um i have a I feeling just, those big those big um producers uh the the sellers they're probably looking for like partners in the state i've heard about yeah people, you know being reached out to by these big co corporations that hey let us partner with you and we'll make this happen you know well they could grow it all they want but they need people to be able to sell it it's like yeah. a, you know and don't i mean don't rule out the attorney general the state attorney general stepping in to try to i think to try to you know say hey you know you're violating the law. You can't do this. It's so. not to be continued. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll see. We'll see what happens. It, it's you know I I've said it before. I I you know I I don't I don't use cannabis products. Um, but you've got liquor stores on on seemingly you know I'm going to over exaggerate here. Almost every corner you know on 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 the East End and. You know, you've got a, a thriving, you know, wine industry and and liquor Breweries. stores and bars right. and, and restaurants serving alcohol. Um, I don't know why you need to make it so difficult for, um, you know, for these guys. If um, if you know, if the state wants this to be legal and people want it to be legal, people have supported it's it. It's still fresh, and right? It, it's prohibition. Prohibition for marijuana has been since what the thirties. Yeah. It's still Reaper 30s. Madness, like that movie <laughs> back in the 30s. And that's, that's what we titled movie. an editorial that we wrote about it this week. I mean, you know, our town supervisor said, I can't, I'll paraphrase because I don't have it right in front of me. But like, you know, she was a cop in New York City. She said, I know what this does. And, you know, I had to pick up the bodies off the streets from people going crazy and jumping off buildings. I remember speaking wow. to her when it was... Yeah, yeah, I remember speaking to her uh, right so, when prohibition when prohibition ended for marijuana, and she wanted to go down the um, uh, the route of calling it like a gateway drug, and I was like, "That's yeah. that's yeah. just not true," and um, you know, I'm not willing to participate in a discussion that's that's just propaganda that's not based in fact. Yeah, look, so so you guys all all know that, you know, that I had a, you know, a history when I was I was younger and 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 stopped using drugs at a at a young age. And I did see a lot of people that, you know, that that got in in, in trouble, you know, with, with drugs and ruined their lives and, you know, and, and all that. And not for nothing, a lot of them used cannabis products um, in addition to other, um, you know, other chemicals. But I think that that's uh, uh you know a, a segment of of the community and and it's a it's a medical uh, medical issue rather than you know than a than a social issue and i i think that um you know you, you can't judge everybody by you know by by a few people that you know that, that have problems just like you know alcoholics that you know that um that right. get into trouble you you can't make alcohol <laughs> illegal just for that you know small segment of the of the population anyway there are other factors that enter into addiction yeah. right right i mean you know but i don't know anyway it's this you is know, you know kind of what we're I, dealing with so i, I like guess it's growing pains it's growing yeah. pains and you know it'll it'll work itself out maybe so i mean we we mentioned uh we mentioned the shinnecock and i wanted to talk a little bit um quickly about a a, a story that we ran this this happened uh last friday so there was a, a native american um canoe 
crew um, making their way, and, and I think they do this. I think they do this annually, um, just across um, across the, the the northeast, and and they canoe, um, you know, down down the coast, and they were making their way through um, through the area last Friday on their way to um, Cuffey's Beach in, in on the Shinnecock Territory. And they were in the uh, in the Shinnecock Canal, a six-person um, canoe, when they were met by a powerboat that was, um, by by most accounts, um, it was going in the the opposite direction of of the the, the canoe, and it was zigzagging and going um, much faster than should be allowed in the. Um, in the canal and had the effect of uh tipping over the the canoe and and put the six um you know uh crew members in into the drink i think they were on their way it was the last leg of of or not the last leg but it was a leg of the the trip they were coming down from from boston um and there were a couple shinnecock members um um on on the canoe um they nobody was hurt um you know thank god and and there was a a support vehicle behind the canoe that helped get them out of the water and there were a lot of good samaritans um you know on um you know on, on the shore of the canal that uh, that helped pull them out and they you know they saved the canoe and they 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 got back on their way and they made their way down to cuffy's beach and there was a you know a big celebration but a lot of people were um we're we're saying that um that it was intentional that the operator of this boat which was um called just chilling out of south Jamesport um we we weren't able to uh for the story we did this week we weren't able to contact um the owner of the boat but we do have pictures of um you know people on on the back of the boat kind of you know, taking pictures and video of of uh uh, the disaster in their wake to you know to be dramatic about it but it it, it seems as they sped through as they sped through the canal not slowing down right um i felt bad because you know this is a long canoe trip so they had a lot of their things you know cell phones included that were dumped in so while no one was hurt i imagine there was a cost to uh and consequence or well consequences are to be seen i know it was turned over to the state police but you know it, it when it comes to boating and i've been doing it since i was a kid uh the big one is you know watch your wake and you know if there respect, are people respect everybody else respect, right? respect smaller boaters who are sitting fishing canoeing uh and especially when you're going through through a canal or or a place where there are lagoons or there are places with smaller boats um, to be respectful and kind. And for the most part, uh, people do. So I was disappointed mm -hmm. to read this, this news. Uh, item. You know, I've been in a canoe on the bay and in the river and dealt with, you know, as a passenger, because Peter would never let me paddle. Um, but <laughs> The, the um uh, people kind of like this with big boats right. that came, you know, and it's kind of scary and it's just frankly really obnoxious um and and potentially dangerous, um, but uh, I, I, I guess it's know. not it, it's not up to us to say whether this was an intentional or or not, but it certainly was um um if if accidental then then just poor boatsmanship i i guess right. and it just you know but it you know the 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 relationship between the the shinnecock and you know um you know and the rest of the community is is just always so fractured and and you hate to yeah. see you hate to see incidents like this happen that that kind of so the um, the speed limit in that canal is 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 only speed five, limit five it's like five, five. yeah and so they, they were, were going like like three, three times yeah wow that, so. hey look i don't i don't know who these people are yet um although right. i feel a determination in my soul to find out but yeah i, I looking Love at your it. photos right now um you know there are two women on the back of this boat who are looking at one is videoing they are one of them it has a, they seem to have big smiles on their faces and in one of these photos the operator of the boat was a man behind, you know, at the wheel or, you know, I'm not a boat person really, so that may not be the right word, but 
you know, the driver um, is driving along, looking back over his shoulder at the canoe behind him in, you know, this. So, I, yeah. No. You know, and that I, was part I, of it, too, is they, did, they didn't they didn't stop. Yeah. They didn't turn around. They didn't render any aid. Um, and, you know, <laughs> if it was even if it was unintentional, you would you would think that they would want to uh, to make sure right. that everybody was OK and help, you know, recover some of the, uh, the people and items, um, especially if it was unintentional and that yeah. they were aware of what was going on. Yeah. I, I don't I mean, you mentioned the state police. I don't know, you know what they're going to do about it. Right? I, I don't know what laws were broken, if if any, if any with this. And right. I think it's just right, right, right. Down to a, an unfortunate situation and, um, you know, hopefully move on. And, and I, it's my understanding that the, the canoe continued its trip and, um, you know, and it, it's um it, it's a, it's important, um, you know, for 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 Native Americans, it, it's it's history and reliving history, and it's demonstrating to people the, um, you know, the history of of, of you know how, how Native Americans lived, um, and and know. and how and and it demonstrates more than that in terms of the history of Native Americans on this continent after white man arrived. It doesn't it really? Yeah. I mean, it was, yeah. and that was it. It was an anniversary <laughs> too. It was an anniversary. Um, of, I don't remember who was, who arrived on the shores that, that day, uh, it was June 12th, I believe. And it was, uh, I think it's, there was a Dutch population who scared off whoever had arrived. I, I can't remember, but it was, it was, it was, it was too bad. And it was like an unfortunate, it's an unfortunate lost opportunity to to bring people together uh and to yeah. uh, do better and to be better and i hope uh i hope folks will do and yeah. be better yep anyway um just a, a quote from um shinnecock nation um chairman brian polite who noted that um said canoe place in the shinnecock canal are both ancestral landmarks of the shinnecock nation and I was absolutely horrified um, by what I witnessed in the canal as a reckless boat driver capsized <clears throat> their machine, which is which is the um, the large um, wooden canoe. So just an, an un unfortunate situation, and you know, looking looking into into summer, um, you, you know, we always see some weird stuff going on in the summer. Hopefully, this isn't um, the first of, of many incidents. Um, uh, Although you, yeah, um, oh. although we we are about to talk about something else, that's exactly what you're saying. Okay. The segue. <laughs> <laughs> what, what 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 did what what did you have in mind? Oh well, <laughs> wasn't there a a bucket of chlorine tablets oh. that exploded this week in Southampton yes. or yep, North Sea? That I, that's where I was going. I just wanted to make sure that <laughs> that's what you're talking about too. Um, so so yeah, Joe, uh, you you wrote about it as well, and and we covered it. it was um, um, what day was it? Was it last? Was it last Friday? Was it the same day? Uh, this was Monday. I'm yeah, sorry, Monday. Week. So in it was in, in North Sea. Um, neighbors in in North Sea were. I guess they weren't awoken, but it was it was early in the morning, the sound of an explosion. And I can only imagine how how scary that was. And the fire department shows up and then there's um, uh, guys in hazmat suits, um, you know, um, neighbors were first evacuated and then being told to uh, shelter in place. Um, how how terrifying. And it turns out it was. Uh, you know, a chlorine explosion, which is no, you know, no joke. It's not a fiery explosion, but certainly, um, certainly people die from, you know, from, from chlorine poisoning and, and larger chlorine explosions. But Joe, it turned out just to be, um, I mean, it was a, a, a small, a small bucket, right. That had chlorine in it. Right. Before I get into that, I'll just say I, I just saw these uh, photos you guys had from the canoe. It's, it's some amazing photos. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A photographer got there of the uh, boat passing by that canoe. That's amazing. Um, 
but yeah, this incident Monday, uh, I, know, I mean, you guys were uh, definitely on top of this right from the beginning. Monday, I was I was off work Monday, so I I circled back on this story Tuesday, so I was a day behind you guys on it. But um, yeah, so this uh, uh, chlorine bucket um, apparently got some moisture in it, and uh, when the, the lid was put back on it, it kind of uh, released the, this chlorine gas, and it becomes can become um combustible and exploded and apparently it's not that uncommon and um is goes to show why you know there's um so much emphasis on how you're supposed to uh, store these chemicals in a certain way and correctly and follow the guidelines that they give you and um and you know you know keep them out of children and uh, and all that and um and we should we should mention that um that the allegation from from Southampton town officials is, is that um, this homeowner was running a commercial operation, a pool service um, out of a residential building and 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 was cited for that. Right. Yeah. So and that's wasn't what, he uh, already in court. He was already in court for that when, yeah, when he, this happened. He had been yeah, cited so the, previously. Right, the, yeah. the town had been um, basically dealing with this homeowner since early May, I believe, or around mid-May and um had already issued him some uh citations and um so you know what the um, neighbors have been complaining about um you know all these um pool vehicles from the company being parked up on the grass and there was a big dumpster outside and and so that kind of uh, alerted some neighbors and that you know that allowed the town to go down and, and kind of determine that um you know some chemicals were not being stored correctly and um it was essentially running the pool business out of his house and um, you know, this was kind of the example of why you don't um, uh, necessarily run a commercial business out of a home like this, because uh, you know there's going to be uh, factors that are that are dangerous, and if you don't uh, follow the um, you know regulations, and and you could see something uh, like this, and luckily nobody was injured, and as you said, it wasn't uh, you know a fire explosion where the entire house went up in flames or anything like that, but you know created a quite a quite a uh, a stir and you know it took a lot of effort um for these hazmat teams to come in and 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 you know make sure everything was okay and and uh the next day the town board uh, approved a resolution that would essentially authorize them to go in and and clean out any um of the you know materials that are still there that don't belong and um that after this happened um you know the town had told the homeowner to uh bring an environmental company to kind of work on that and it seemed like he uh, did agree to do that and and uh, from what i heard there was an environmental company uh, coming in to you know, clear out uh, some of that um some of those uh, chemicals so um you and, know and I, you you actually talked talked to the, to the guy i don't think we reached him but you talked to him he gave you a kind of a short answer but denied the charges Right. Yeah, he, he said I shouldn't write it, uh, write about anything, and I said that's not how it works. But um, yeah, I mean, if you had a dollar, right? <laughs> um, but yeah, he said you know, kind of uh, whatever you know, reports were initially out there were you know not true or something along those lines. Yeah. Um, but uh, you know, we know that uh, the town has issued these citations, and uh, I don't believe anything that rose to necessarily a misdemeanor criminal level, but you know, town code violations. Um, so you know, I'll have to stay in court to answer to those, and um, you know, there's going to be additional charges based on what happened uh, Monday. So you know, um, you know, we'll see how how that all plays out. But um, yeah, uh, uh, you know crazy situation and uh you know, just another example of why you know if you do have a pool and you have uh, chemicals you know make sure you're handling those uh correctly and aren't running any uh unnecessary science experiments in your backyard or your garage <laughs> hey hey bill um on the on the subject of doing and being better and unity and stuff i wanted to just quickly mention that uh on both forks there's going to be three juneteenth celebrations on saturday morning so depending on when you're listening to this uh check it out aguam park there's going to be a free juneteenth celebration i think saturday and sunday um but look into that and then um saturday in greenport at the clinton memorial uh ame of zion church if i'm if i'm remembering correctly from pastor natalie Wimberly's interview on Friday morning. And I think uh, Bridgehampton Childcare is also uh, oh, cool. Also doing something. I think Joe Shaw is actually um, 
being recognized among among other officials um with that i don't have the uh the i'm, I'm not sure if that's monday or this weekend but so uh, you can find out i think it's bccrc.org i believe is their 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 uh website i'll double check yep. check that out east, east hampton town is doing something as well i thought i saw on their website they had uh, I wasn't sure of the details on that. That's that could be. I don't, I don't have the listings in front of me, but I think there's a lot of celebrations. This, yeah. um, which which is amazing, and and there and there certainly should be. I think it's it's only been a few years that that's um, become part of the um, federal. Yeah, it's been federally but, recognized. Yeah, I wrote a story. Oh, oh. It's bhccrc.org for more information <laughs> from the Bridge Hansen Child Care and Recreational center thank you uh, no problem yeah, I, 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 yeah to, uh, i'm sorry it's important it's you it's know very it's, important it's, it absolutely is and it's and it's amazing just how recent like i mean that's going back a bit but you know i was speaking just friday morning about how my great grandmother my great grandmother took over her husband's business ice and coal after he passed and she was only barely able to do that because it was so new that women could you know get credit without their husband's uh permission and that's mm. not going back that's going back to humans yeah so well, in the seventies, you couldn't get a credit card unless your um unless your husband got you one. Gave you, yeah, gave you permission. The seventies. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's no humans ago. <laughs> but it's um, you know, if you don't know about um, Juneteenth, there is a great. I just read it yesterday morning. Uh, uh, from the Smithsonian websites, um, if I can briefly just share and get, you know, get involved on Freedom's Eve or the eve of January 1st, 1863, the first watch night services took place. On that night, enslaved and free African-Americans gathered in churches and private homes all across the country awaiting news that the Emancipation Proclamation had taken effect at the stroke of midnight. Prayers were answered as all enslaved people in Confederate states were declared legally free. Union soldiers, many of whom were black, marched onto plantations and across cities in the South, reading small copies of the Emancipation Proclamation, spreading the news of freedom in Confederate states. And as uh, Pastor Wemberly was saying, this sort of celebration is celebrated on different dates in different parts of the country. So what Juneteenth is, is when, you know, uh, the folks in Texas, in Galveston, when uh, 2000 Union troops arrived in Galveston Bay, Texas, arrived June 19th of 1865 to announce uh, to more than 250,000 enslaved people that they were free uh, by executive decree. So it was like you know, two, you years, think, two years late, I think, right? Yeah. But, yeah, so when, well, you, when you think about like, like prohibition of marijuana and and about how like how slow bureaucracy is yeah. it's like no matter what way you look whether you're talking about pot or people you know it's uh, like you said bill glacial mm -hmm. yeah thank god for all of that right amen um, let, let's do another um another hard transition <laughs> uh back up Sorry. to Back up to 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 Riverhead, um, I, 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 Denise. You guys on Riverhead Local ran a, a story that Alec wrote. Um, the, the there was a, a Riverhead school board meeting where the where the issue of um, of weapons in um, in the middle school came up, and there were a couple different three three different incidents uh, recently. Yeah. So you're muted, Denise. Oh, she's still muted. Yeah. All right. Sorry about that. There you go. That's um, all right. A little, little slow with the uh, trackpad finger there this morning. But um, 
So it, there, there was a third arrest of a middle school student this week uh, or announced this week after on Monday after two middle school students were arrested on Friday uh, with, on charges of possession of a weapon by a person under age 16. And um, the students um, the, all, the, that would, had they possessed knives and one of them had a, a BB gun. We don't know if it was... Uh, metal BBs or airsoft BBs, but whatever it was. Uh, and there was also a toy gun involved. And um, this was discovered by after uh, administrators searched their lockers because um, a, another student, I guess, um, or word got out that they were preparing for an altercation after school. Um, and then this third arrest on Monday. And naturally that has uh, parents extremely concerned about, you know, the prospect, especially in the world we live in today, the prospect of weapons being brought into school. Um, I mean, it would be concerning at any time, but, um, you know, given the environment. They, and they said they're open to the idea of metal detectors and bringing in other security. They are. You hate yeah. to see metal detectors in a middle school, but in this day and age, yeah. I, I mean, with school shootings and, and all that, I mean, um, I, I don't know how you get away from it, you know, especially when you have these incidents. The director of security was saying, he said, you know, he's been looking into it. And, um, you know, with the high volume of people going in and out of schools, it could be really hard to really screen everybody. And it could really cause, you know, kind of a log jam. It's a horrible notion to think that that's how kids have to enter school. It's terrifying. But, I, you know, I don't know. So they're looking at at everything they possibly can. Um, and 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 the, the school district uh, superintendent told us that uh, you know just everything's on the table for discussion to figure out what's the best thing to do because obviously, yeah. I, I mean, I get log jams and all that, but um, yeah. I mean, you yeah. want you, you want parents to feel comfortable dropping their kids off to school, but you want those kids in school to 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 feel safe, safe too. Yeah. I mean, I can't imagine being a kid in school these days and, yeah, and no. you know wondering right. when the the next shooting is going to, you know, occur and, and all that. It's just, um, it's, it's really scary. Yeah. I wish I, I wish I had any words for just how, yeah. how sad I am, especially. And, and I wish, I wish the kids would just wake up, you know, we just lost Preston Gamble, you know, we lost a kid, you know, and it's, and I understood uh, what the superintendent was saying when he said, you know, we're going to talk to them again about the serious nature of this. Um, it's tough. It's tough. But uh, you're talking about a Riverhead High School student, Preston, yeah. who was shot and killed in his uh, uh, apartment in a condo complex that he lived in. Yeah. yeah. Um, with, you know. I don't yeah. think they did they ever announce an arrest in that? I've lost track not, of all of these. Not, I don't think so. Not right? that I saw. No. No, there was some some questions about that. I think that just needed to be to be mm -hmm. fleshed out. I'm not sure if anybody, you know. I would like to hear a follow up to that story, or or what, if anything, investigation has turned up. I've only heard rumors. Yeah. Um, well, anyway, they're so. very tight lipped about things like that when they're under investigation, right? Right. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and I guess that they have to be. understandably. Yeah. So we've got a, a few minutes uh, left, Joe, but I, I, I read um, I read your story about um, Fort Hill Cemetery in, in Montauk and, and their desire to uh, to expand the cemetery a little bit. And, and also we've been talking about um, Native Americans, that there's a, a, a section of, of that that, um, that 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 features uh, Native American remains. Right. Yeah, so um, you know, I'm still kind of new to the the South Forks uh, area. Right, right? How so, has it been for you, Joe? What's it like exploring like a new territory? Yeah, it's been fun. I, I've enjoyed kind of uh, getting to you know explore some new new topics after you know writing about uh, you know Epcal and all that stuff that you know been <laughs> every day. But um, yeah, so you know the, the, the um, new um, uh, uh, chairperson of this. Um, uh, cemetery, Fort Hill Cemetery in Montauk, um, did you know, just kind of a brief presentation before the town board um, a week or so ago and talking about the cemetery. And, and I found it pretty interesting. So I, you know, I 
figured, let me go out there and kind of check it out and see what it's about. And um, so just kind of a little you know feature this week and with some news about how the cemetery is now going to be opening up some new sections as they've kind of reached uh, capacity for where they are at now and are actually going to be building a new um, uh, niche wall um, where um, you know, people who have been uh, cremated can go, and that'll be a pretty big project. And um, they've, they've had one wall there since the, the site opened um, about 30 plus years ago. And so this will be the first um, uh, construction of a new niche uh, wall. But the site is really uh, amazing there. Um, can you talk about that of, rock? A lot of unique history. Uh, can you what was talk that? About the there's like a rock. I remember reading your story the other yeah, morning. Yeah. So there's Council Rock, it's called. Yeah. Um, so you know, the site is um, back in the, the, like the 1650s, there was a massacre there where a tribe from New England came down and the Montaukets were there and there was a big uh, uh, battle and and um, all these um, uh, native uh, bones are still on this site in the sacred uh, land. And so they have... Um, uh, a section that's they call it you know kind of an undisturbed area where um you know nobody nobody goes and then there's also a section where uh, uh descendants of the Montaukett tribe can can be buried there if they're you know um from you know East Hampton town and um it back in I think it back in the 80s there was actually going to be a proposal for to build um uh, a condo complex on this site and and um you know you can imagine that and um so the town was actually back then was able to get uh, kind of swoop in and 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 get it and and they eventually you know, now turned it into what is the cemetery and you know obviously a fitting um use for the site given its history with um uh the sacred uh, burial ground there for for the native americans and um but it's just um you know really a beautiful place and you know they kind of when i was talking o to overlooking the, a bluff right yeah so you kind of go up on a little bit of a, a a little path and you get to the spot where there's some benches and you can look and see Fort Pond and the bay and just, you know, you're really high up and it's pretty amazing view. And if it's, if you're in the, in the winter and there's no vegetation, you can even have a, a view off to the ocean uh, to one side. And, oh my God. Um, I think that's where I want to be buried. That's out in Montauk. Yeah. Not a, not a bad place to, to spend. No, I, I, yeah. I went there because Ryan's grandparents are there and I said, this is where I want to go. This is where right. I want to be. Yeah, and so the woman who's now the chairperson, she replaced um, a man by the name of uh, John McDonald, who had been in that role for thirty years, and he was kind of the guy who, um, you know, was overseeing um, overseeing this you know property basically since it began. And uh, you know, he just retired recently from his you know nine to five job, and you know, decided to step back from this. And um, so I was able to talk to him a little bit a little bit about what it was like, you know, spending almost thirty years, um, you know, in this uh, really uh, special property, and for some of those people. Um, who you know who are from Montauk and and have um, you know roots there for a long time. It's a really uh, special place for them. And um, it was it's kind of you know when I was reading a little bit of some history, there was you know it was kind of referred to as sort of like a hidden gem among uh, cemeteries uh, you know on Long Island because it didn't it didn't get a lot of um, one of, a lot of one of, one of right East End's secret treasures. Um, <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to stop you there. We are. Right. Uh, over time, actually, we're, we're, out, of we're time. out of time. This has been uh, this has been behind the headlines. Uh, we want to thank uh, thank my co-host Annette Hinkle, Ganesh, uh, guests Denise Civiletti from Riverhead Local, Joe Workmeister from Newsday, and Gianna Volpe right here from WLIW FM. Fantastic show, guys! Thanks a lot. Thank you.